if you read through the four gospel accounts of the crucifixion, uh, you'll find that they give us seven uh, last words spoken by Jesus, seven last statements that he uttered at various times throughout that whole ordeal. And um, each statement is significant in its own way. Uh, whole sermons could be preached on, on each one of these. Um, today, this afternoon, I, I want to focus on just one, just one of these last of the seven statements that Jesus made. And we've heard it already in the reading from Matthew's Gospel. Uh, there in verse 46 of Matthew 27, uh, Jesus cries out in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's been called the cry of dereliction. At the cross, uh, Jesus experiences abandonment by God. Uh, in many ways, it's, it's mysterious to us, but he undergoes a, a very real experience of God-forsakenness. And we're going to linger over these words for a few moments. I, I want to think together about what they meant for Jesus as he uttered them and what they mean for us today. You know, Matthew, before he gets, before he quotes Jesus, he, he highlights the timing of Jesus' cry, this cry of dereliction. Uh, we know from the gospel accounts that the crucifixion began around 9 o'clock in the morning on that Friday. And Matthew tells us there in the reading from earlier that around 12 p.m., um, after Jesus had been on the cross for approximately three hours, uh, a suffocating darkness engulfs Jerusalem and, and the whole surrounding area, including uh, Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. And Matthew tells us that this darkness, it lasts for about three hours, from 12 p.m. midday, 12 p.m. to about 3 p.m. And, and you have to keep in mind, this is long before the advent of electricity and artificial light. There is just darkness. And in the Bible, darkness in the middle of the day is a sign of divine judgment. Um, think back to the Exodus story. Um, Israel in bondage in Egypt. And one of the ten plagues that God visits upon Egypt is a plague of darkness. Three days of deep darkness over the whole land, followed by the final plague, the death of the firstborn son. And so here is Jesus, uh, Son of God, as we've been singing. Here is Jesus, God's Son, suffering in agony on the cross for six hours. Three of those hours uh, spent in complete darkness. And at the end of this just excruciating time of suffering in the darkness, he finally speaks. And what we hear are those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are really haunting words. I mean, we can think of many comforting words that Jesus offers to us in the Gospel accounts. These words spoken by Jesus at the cross are 
almost too much to take in. I mean, how could Jesus be forsaken by God? I mean, this is the same Jesus who throughout his earthly life lived very consciously within the the love and the favor of God. He says in John's Gospel, He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. I mean, Jesus lived His whole life within the the presence of God, the the felt presence of God. It's unthinkable here that Jesus, God's beloved Son, could be forsaken by God, and yet that's exactly what happens at the cross. And notice Jesus' question there, it's, it's not why God have you let me experience these terrible things? Why have you let me um, experience oppression and suffering? No, his, his question is different. His question is why have you abandoned me to these terrible things? It's one thing to experience difficulty, trial, suffering. Quite another to experience abandonment by God in the midst of those things. And you know that the only words we hear Jesus speak in Matthew's account of the crucifixion are these words right here. This anguished cry. His sense of abandonment and isolation. Uh, No longer is the light of God's favor shining on him. Instead, He's swallowed up by the darkness of divine judgment. And he cries out in despair. Now, as good Christian people, uh, we often try to take the edge off of the desolation of Jesus' cry. I mean, these words, they make me uncomfortable. Uh, These These words don't sound like the kind of thing you would expect a faithful believer, let alone the Son of God, to ever say. Um, So we try to explain away Jesus' pain. Well, it's not exactly what it sounds like, we tell ourselves. Uh, We might say, well, well, he's quoting Psalm 22. I mean, he's just fulfilling prophecy as if Jesus is, is hanging there in agony and just checks a box, fulfilled that. It's true, these these words do come from Psalm 22. We heard them a little earlier in the service. But but that in no way detracts from the intensity of Jesus' despair. You see, Jesus was steeped in Israel's scriptures. Um, Some scholars believe that Jesus had the entire book of Psalms memorized. This is his prayer book. He knows it front and back, and, and as he undergoes an unimaginable crisis, he naturally takes up the words of the Psalms to express his sense of desolation. Psalm 22 gave Jesus words for his pain. And, and you know how it is when um, you feel like your world is collapsing, and there's confusion, there's paralysis. You, you don't even know how to put your pain into words. Psalm 22 gave Jesus words for what was perhaps unspeakable. 
the psalm gave voice to his despair. That profound and disturbing sense that he had of being abandoned by God. Another way we try to blunt the force of Jesus' words, we we tell ourselves, well, Jesus is the divine Son of God. I mean, he's beyond the reach of human suffering. He he probably just, you know, kind of was able to rise above the suffering and and go through it undisturbed. I mean, it, it sounds right in some ways, but it's a failure to recognize who Jesus really is. Jesus is fully God and fully human. Now, that is a theological mystery that that we could never plumb the depths of, and and it would be worth considering another time. But for, for us now, here on Good Friday, what it means for us is that Jesus really and truly became one of us. He lived an authentic human life, and he entered into a true and authentic experience of human suffering in body and in soul. I mean, you think back to um, Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before the crucifixion, and Jesus knows what's coming. He takes a few of his disciples with him, asks them to keep watch and pray with him, and of course they fall asleep. But Jesus goes ahead and he prays. He, He naturally recoils from the prospect of suffering that's ahead of him, and he prays to be spared. Father, let this cup pass from me. And, and you know the story. He prays it three times. And yet at the end, he submits himself to the Father's will. And the Gospels, as they recount this, this event in Gethsemane, it's almost like they're straining and stretching for language to explain and describe uh, this state of extreme emotional, psychological, and physical distress that Jesus is in. And, and we read there that, that he sweats drops of blood. This is real human suffering. But even in Gethsemane, when Jesus prays, he, he addresses God as Father. Father, let this cup pass. You know, Father, that, that address, it, it expresses intimacy, right? Closeness. Um, the Gospels tell us this was Jesus' customary way of addressing God. He, he even taught his disciples to pray to God as Father, our Father in heaven. And yet, here in his cry of dereliction at the cross, Jesus doesn't call God Father. Instead, it's my God, my God. Not a cry of unbelief, but certainly more detached, um, less familiar than, than we've heard Jesus pray all along in the Gospels. You know, and these words that he speaks here at the cross, they're not just for dramatic effect. Jesus' cry gives voice to a, a profound experience God-forsakenness. And so, Jesus cries out in agony and despair. Cries out to His God. And there's no reply. 
no divine voice answers like like we hear at Jesus' baptism or or his trans, transfiguration. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus cries out to his God and there is silence. There is darkness. At the cross, Jesus is the God-forsaken man. He experiences the outer darkness of hell. Alienation from the God who is life and light and love himself. And as we read through the Gospel account, just these troubling words. I mean, you have to ask why. Why is Jesus, of all people, Jesus the Son of God, why would he be forsaken by God? I mean, clearly, he didn't do any wrong. I mean, Matthew goes to great lengths to make that clear as he recounts these events. I mean, Jesus stands before the religious religious court charged with blasphemy for claiming to be the Son of God. He stands before the the civil court charged with treason for claiming to be a king. And, And Matthew demonstrates again and again that Jesus was innocent of wrongdoing. Even his accusers knew it. They couldn't make the charges stick. And yet he was condemned to die and forsaken by God. And so we ask, why? Why? Why did Jesus have to go through this? And the answer is in the reading from Isaiah that we heard earlier. Isaiah says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. goes on to say, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were the guilty ones. We were the ones who had not loved God as we ought. We were the ones who had not loved our neighbor as ourself. We were the ones, in Isaiah's words, who, who turned away from God and, and turned to our own ways to do our own thing, away from the God who created us. We were the ones who deserved to be forsaken by God because of our sin. And yet, Jesus took our place. In my place condemned he stood, the hymn says. And so this is the message of Good Friday, that the Holy Son of God became a man. He lived a a perfectly righteous life in our place. He, He bore at the cross our shame and guilt and alienation. And he drank fully the cup of God's wrath against human sin. Jesus died on that cross, naked, forsaken by God, so that we could be clothed in robes of righteousness, so that we could be accepted by God through faith. Why was Jesus forsaken at the cross so that in him and through faith in him we would never have to be jesus was forsaken at the cross so we would never have
have to be. We're going to sing in a moment in response to, to the readings we've heard, to this new, good news of Good Friday, and, and we're simply going to marvel at divine love. The love of God the Father who sent His Son for us, the love of God the Son who gave Himself for us, the love of God the Holy Spirit who pours out that divine love into our hearts. And some of you here perhaps have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I just want to say to you, today would be a good day to do that. Turn from your sin. Put your trust in the one who was forsaken by God at the cross. And he will forgive you. He will receive you. He will embrace you. You will never be forsaken. And you'll be able to sing with us, what wondrous love is this. Let me pray for us before we sing. Lord Jesus, what more can we really say this afternoon than thank you? Thank you for your self-giving love, for your sacrificial love, for enduring God-forsakenness so that we might become sons and daughters of the living God through faith. Amen.